1: Welcome to Light Years. Sam Asfandiari here. Sitting across from me, I got Vignesh from Guest Doug's Fast Break blog. Sitting
2: in for Andy. Vicky, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Sam. Always doing better after a Warriors victory, particularly a competitive one. Fun night.
1: Yeah, so my first thought was, this is one of the more fun games the Warriors have played over the last few weeks. The Wolves, I, th- I thought it was an all-around competitive game. The first thing. The first take really from it is like Warriors are hitting shots again. And I know they hit shots last game, but like now we're establishing a pattern of the Warriors hitting shots. And it's been a long time coming because they went through a really long slump.
2: Yeah, I, I'm looking at the the stat sheet right now. And I did a double take in the game because the Warriors ended up shooting 50% for the game and 60% from three, which I've never really seen happen for them.
1: Yeah, and it's uh it, it was a collective effort too. Steph had a great game, um, particularly great fourth quarter. What do you what do you have? 14 points in the fourth quarter, um, and kind of came alive and ended with a nice, efficient 10 for 20 game, six for 10 from three. Uh, but but it's really beyond that. Clay shooting the ball really well. Um tempted to say Clay was better tonight than he was in the last game. Um, but, but it goes beyond that. Like Jordan Poole he had one of those games where I'm like, I don't know if he might be the best player on the floor with all those guys. And it was across the board. And I think they needed it quite frankly, because the, the wolves athleticism, particularly in the first half jumped off the screen to me. Like you, they looked, I mean, they are, they're an ultra athletic team. And I think it kind of
2: gave the word some problems early on. For sure. I thought in the first half, um, you know, with Minnesota going into halftime with it, was it a uh, five point, four point lead. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns got whatever he wanted and the warriors were tested, right? The reason they were in that game is because they shot an absurd percentage from three. And then that eventually cooled off at the end of the second quarter, warriors go down a bit. The three point shooting came back with a vengeance though, in the second half. And finally kind of, as you'd expect, they started to play enough defense um, against Minnesota to hold them off. Um, Shot making was incredible. Like you said, between Jordan Poole, uh, Steph clay, Wiggins had an efficient game uh, it was just an all-around offensive explosion, um, and that made a huge difference for the Warriors because they haven't looked like this in months. They looked like this a little bit against the maps, but you know that went to garbage time pretty quick. Yeah,
1: it's, and I feel like that's really what we're looking for. It's like, let's see if the Warriors can establish a pattern. I'm not expecting 60% from three every night, but I'm for also... Sure. I mean, they, they hit a stretch of, I want to say 20% from three for like 10 games in a row or something, something ridiculous like that, where I'm like,
2: okay, they, they're not that poor shooting ball.
1: So give me something in between those two, please.
2: Exactly. You, you take the, the average, every single game. And I know it's, you know, small sample size, three point shooting is notoriously up and down, especially this season for whatever reason. Um, But you know, it's going to even out in the long term. you know, the Warriors are not, they didn't get monstar right uh aliens right. from outer space did not come in and steal their shooting powers um maybe they did for Steph. i don't know it looks like they finally got him back michael jordan won in some alternate multiverse and and gave everyone their powers back but the warriors are going to be fine shooting the ball that's never really going to be a concern for them it's just can they survive those games where suddenly the shot's a little bit off and i think the best sign for the warriors is Steph going to the mid-range Clay going to the mid-range. Jordan Poole going to the mid-range. Andrew Wiggins, although maybe a little bit more than he needs to going to the mid-range, those counters are going to help because there are going to be games when the shot's not going down and they've got options now. They've proven they can kind of dig themselves out of the muck.
1: And and for me, the stats that are... The thing that's really interesting about this game is the assists. 31, Steph was the... led the team with six assists a game. Six assists for the game. Um, It's not just... They're obviously without Draymond Green. Draymond is kind of the fulcrum of the offense when he's in there. You, you can kind of – you know the Warriors are humming when you look at the, the box score and it's like, wow, well, Draymond had eight assists, ten assists, twelve assists, something like that. They're doing it by committee, and uh, we were talking about this before we got on there, but it's like playmaker clay. This is second game in a row where I'm just like – I don't remember him being this good of a passer pre-injury. He had four assists tonight, and I don't think that really does justice to it. Um, just to just to finish off the thought, it's like Wiggins four assists, at six assists, really good high mm-hmm. post playmaking. Jordan Poole had a great game all around, including reading the defense. He had five assists, and it was just kind of. I think this is probably what it's going to have to be while Draymond's out because they're not going to have that one guy to run everything to who's going to end up with double-digit assists. It's going to be a lot of um, everyone chipping in three to five, and next thing you know, you end up with around 30 assists, which, like, let's be real, the Warriors are going to play a ball movement, kind of multiple playmaker style no matter what. So how can you make it work without Draymond Green, who's
2: clearly kind of the guy you run it through if he's there? I find it super interesting because we've talked a lot and we were chatting about this a little bit. Clay coming back as point guard clay, goggles clay, passing clay, behind the back clay, whatever you want to call it, is is an enormous boon for the Warriors because lost in kind of the, the Warriors have been playing great defense since Draymond Green's been out. Fantastic defense since Draymond Green's been out. But they're giving up 10 assists a game. And the best they can do is basically play Steph like Draymond. He's initiating a lot more offense. He's taking and, on, and, and
1: you're right. He was doing that the first, the, the first handful of games. He was playing kind of more like a traditional point guard. You know, it was like the eight to ten assists and a lot of kind of him handling and finding the guy type of thing, which is like atypical for the
2: Warriors, but it's for sure kind of what I expected them to do. And it works to a degree, but also you've got Steph kind of in a huge rut. So all of a sudden, you turn the page. Clay Thompson comes back and he's suddenly throwing four assists a game and you're right it really doesn't do justice to dribble penetration creation hockey assists he was everywhere the Warriors are super thin at that creator spot right you've got Steph Curry who can get his own shot Jordan Poole who can get his own shot Clay kind of at the apex of the 2019 finals could go get his own shot but this is 941 days later Clay and he's still shown a little bit of that but more I think impressive is the fact that He's reading the defense. He had so many brilliant passes today. That just adds another layer. And maybe the Warriors now, like the concern before the season was, do you have enough secondary shot creation? The issue I think shifts a little bit more to so, do you have enough size to hold up against people like Karl Anthony Towns, the the huge bigs that you've got, Jokic and Bead later in the playoffs, who are. Yeah, and I don't
1: even, I don't even know that it's size as much as just front court athleticism. I thought, For sure, here, I thought particularly in the first half of the game. Uh, Jarrett Vanderbilt had a huge impact for them, and he's he's not the most skilled player in the NBA, but he's very long and very athletic, and he knows how to use it. And uh, the Wolves had the lead at halftime, and a lot of it was built off of him, McDaniels, obviously Towns, um, just bigger, faster, stronger, I guess is the best way to put it. And, like, obviously the Warriors are without Draymond Green, and Draymond goes a long way in alleviating some of that stuff. But, like, I, th- I thought the Wolves kind of poked at what I would call the Warriors' biggest weaknesses, which we're discussing right now, which is, like, how do they handle hyper-athletic size? Obviously, the, the biggest case of this is, you know, Giannis, who we kind of assume everything's going to go through at some point in the season, right? But it's, like, even, even if you want to take it back to the Western Conference. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton. You know, if you get a motivate Aiton, that's a pretty big and
2: athletic guy who's going to make a lot of noise on the glass, right? For sure, Aiton, Jokic, maybe not so much from a physical sense, but from a finesse yeah, he's, polish, you're yeah, cooked. A special player, right? yeah, <laughs> they're just cooked. Um, and and I think Cat is kind of Cat's more physical than Jokic, and more skilled than, or he can at least stretch out further than Aiton, so he presents a kind of unique mismatch. Yeah um you're right though the first half I think was it's clear in my the oddly enough the person who observes this the best is my grandmother who's a huge Warriors fan by the way she's back in Indiana, but she wouldn't miss a game while she was here and my mom are just like you know these other teams just seem bigger stronger faster more athletic than the Warriors and invariably especially over the last couple of seasons that's been true and last season you know the Warriors experimented with subbing in kind of more athleticism right it I it it kind of worked, kind of didn't. In some ways, obviously, there, there are players like Kelly Red Jr. who inject athleticism, but are obviously no longer on the Warriors. I think that's just a the reality of the roster construction is that the Warriors are, you know, they've got a bunch of vetmins who are on the wrong side of thirty. They've got a bunch of younger players who are pretty athletic, but you on know, the wrong side of twenty-one. They're yeah. On the wrong side of twenty-one, precisely. So they've got to they've got to kind of scratch, claw, kick, scream, do whatever they can. Um, you assume though that you know on a on a game like tonight where the whistle I thought was um, not bad but definitely not going the Warriors' way things kind of evened out over the course of the game they got just enough pieces of Vanderbilt just enough a box set on the the Timberwolves hyper athletic front line to be able to make a difference there's going to be games I mean the Timberwolves to be clear still total 10 offensive rebounds somehow though I look at the stat sheet the Warriors also got 10 three from Looney a couple each from Payton and Pulp I don't know how it happened like I thought. The dominance on the glass was pretty significant but if you look at the box score somehow um and this is kind of gang rebounding warriors ended up with 46 team rebounds um to the timberwolves 42 obviously shooting 60 from three and 50 from the field will help in that category but i thought it was pretty interesting
1: well yeah and i think in the second half they started kind of doubling on box outs of, of yep. certain players but in general that's going to be kind of the question going forward do they have enough athleticism? and it's not really going to be a question we're going to be able to answer until Draymond Green's back and based on everything it doesn't sound like that's happening next week. Um there's going to be an update at some point over the weekend and I kind of just the way they're talking about it, do you I don't know if you agree with me, I don't think we're going to see him before the All-Star
2: break. I'm not optimistic, honestly, Sam, and I think you know, I want to withhold judgment until we actually hear something because we heard both ends of the spectrum, right? We heard, I think Mark Spears said, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And then Warriors PR had a field day the next day saying, oh, he's doing great. Things are fine. I, The reality is probably somewhere in between those two extremes. But a, oh, Draymond's back on February 2nd or 3rd is is not, I don't think it's likely or possible. No,
1: I agree with you. It, it seems like. Probably post all if we get to the all star break and there's no timeline, then I'll start worrying. But like, I yeah. kind of made amends of the fact that like they're just gonna have to get through this spell without them. We buried the lead. I, I want to move this real quick. Yeah, we buried the lead. We the did Warriors have two all star starters. Uh, um, yeah. w- one of them is uh, one Mr. Stephen Curry, which I, I don't think comes as a surprise to anyone, the other. Andrew Wiggins, your thoughts?
2: I'm going to let it sink in because, I mean, we've got a bunch of people here, 246 people, if my, my counter is correct. That's crazy. And like I'll be the first to admit when the, I first heard the rumor, because this tends to happen a lot, right? Um, Warriors front office is thinking about doing something. You hear kind of, any, any front office does this. There's like feelers out into the media. You hear about it like, oh, the Warriors might be on the move for... For Andrew Wiggins, my first reaction was, oh no. But then, you know, I kind of talked myself into it over the course of a month. And I'm like, this is probably Stockholm Syndrome, but, you know, let's roll the dice, see what the hell happens. We're, if the window is closed here, the window is closed. The turnaround has been remarkable. And I think I, I tweeted about this and I'm going to write about it after we get done here. The Warriors front office, this could have gone two ways. This could have been the ultimate high on your own supply. We value Warriors culture. We think we can rehabilitate anybody. Mistake, but instead it turns Kevin Durant into essentially Kuminga and Wiggins.
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, um, the starter thing to me speaks to the power of Warrior fans. I want to get that out there right now. Andrew Wiggins performing this way on 28. The only other team I think that would vote him in would have been the Lakers. Honestly, yep. quite frankly. Um, but with that said, I do think he's an all-star. I do think when you look at the Western Conference, when you look at the 12 best players in the first half of the season, when you factor in the, the fact that like guys like Anthony Davis and Paul George have missed half the season, and when you start looking at the West, you're like, okay, Jokic is better. LeBron is better. Gobert and Draymond have had more impactful seasons. After that, it starts getting pretty dicey in the West. There's no Kawhi Leonard. Guys like Anthony Davis, like I said, missed half the season. Like, he's bonafide top 12 player in the West for the first half of the season and deserves this, and the Warriors deserve all the credit in the world for all the work in kind of taking a player who is kind of a punchline and turning him into an all-star. There's no way around it. But the starter thing, I just want to give a shout-out to every Warriors fan who voted for him because I don't think – this happens without the fan vote, and I don't think he's getting that fan vote if he's a Phoenix Sun. Like, no offense. I just – I don't think – he's definitely not getting it if he's in Minnesota. It's one of those things that it speaks to the Warriors' place in the NBA hierarchy of relevance that Wiggins performing like this on this team gets a certain level of attention that gets him – to one of to be one of the 10
2: most popular players in a voted contest. It's unbelievable. I think I'm going to draw a very strange analogy here, which is to tie to the huge Warriors, uh, excuse me, Niners uh, Rams game this coming weekend. Wins are not a, an individual stat in any team sport. Um, right. We, we should get that out of the way right now, but Wiggins' ascension to the All-Star Game coincides with quote-unquote winning basketball that he's playing. And it's really come with him shedding the expectations of a number one draft pick or a high draft pick and someone who's got to carry a team on his own and becoming the best version of himself that's a second or third or fourth banana. He simplified his shot selection. The stepbacks, the long, kind of frustrating stepback twos are mostly gone. He's canning threes at an all-time rate. He's a cutter. He's an elite defender. He takes on the opposing team's best uh, best offensive player night in and night out. And that simplification has allowed him to blossom. And so, like you said, credit to Dub Nation Warriors fans for going nuts with the voting. Um, I think there were some K-pop uh, superstars involved in this as well. Um, but also kudos to the Warriors coaching staff. They should be taking justifiable victory laps here. They saw the potential. They sought it out. They made the trade when you know it was not a guaranteed success at all. They rehabilitated Wiggins' value. Now he's not just trade bait, he's a core part of this unit, and he's still only 26 years old.
1: Yeah, and and like look, we were talking about the Wolves game earlier, and we didn't even mention Wiggins. Another seven for twelve, five three-pointers, nineteen threes, five rebounds, four. It so just steady is not even a fair fair word for it. Like that's that is just that is great production on a nightly basis it's just like yeah. th- this team th- there's just so many other things to talk about that like we're now penciling in that he's going to give the warriors an efficient 15 to 20 um he's going to guard one of the other team's best perimeter players he's going to contribute in a facsimile a ways he's going to hit a ton of open threes that's the part which I knew he could shoot a little bit. I did not see him turning into like. I would just say, if he's open and his feet are set, it's auto, right? Like, yeah, he, he's he's as good as Otto Porter in those type of shots where it's like open, feet set. If he misses, it's like, well, yeah, no one hits a hundred percent, but like, yeah, it's just it feels. I mean, he's he's playing phenomenal basketball, and you know what? It it's good. It it is, like you said, it's an organizational victory. I would say it's like a fan base victory. It's everything. Like the coaching staff deserves their credit for kind of taking a player who was kind of the punchline for bad losing basketball and turning him into winning basketball or just like tweaking his game so it could be productive in a winning environment. And the fan base deserves credit for recognizing it and kind of getting their power behind it and letting everyone know like, you know, The Warriors matter, and if you
2: play at this level with the Warriors and it contributes to winning, they will reward you. 100%. The last thing I want to say about Wiggins is in the statute, what jumps out is something that I noticed in-game as well, which is the four assists tonight. In Minnesota, if he drives into the lane and he's kind of looking at the hoop, that's going up. But he found people going to the hoop and creating for others. That's something – unexpected from clay sure even more unexpected from wiggins who was known as a little bit of a black hole in his time in minnesota so to simultaneously reduce the black holiness of your game improve your efficiency pick your spots take on tough defensive assignments but also blossom in other areas that's awesome um and i think you know picture laps all around it's fantastic for for the warriors especially because now they've got like you said someone they can pencil in for 15 5 give or take maybe more rarely less
1: yeah and i just want to say i'm i'm seeing the chats mentioning this the amount it makes other fan bases mad <laughs> that it got voted in i uh, i want <laughs> we're, i want to open this to callers right now but please call in Let, let's discuss that because i was you know twitter's twitter but i was um I was laughing at media members and, yeah. you know, kind of bloggers and stuff being so upset that he won a fan vote to get an all-star game. And that just kind of reminded me that the warriors are back, you know, yep. like that's just another reminder that it just really makes you that upset that a bunch of fans voted for Andrew Wiggins. Like it's not my fault that there's 10 sons fans out there, you know, it's not my <laughs> fault that no one wanted to vote for Mikel Bridges, who by the way, big fan. Awesome. Yeah, huge fan but like not 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 my problem anyway let's get let's get to some callers let's get moving
3: light years podcast brought to you by hello fresh with hello fresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep i'm getting mine this week sam i got fat over the holidays gained like 20 pounds so i'm trying to eat healthy right i'm trying to not spend as much money at the grocery store Uh, And I'm trying to make eating and cooking fun and affordable. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients straight to your door, including farm fresh produce. That arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skipping on quality. You can, like I said, skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the wait in long lines and ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. HelloFresh also cuts back on time spent in the kitchen. If you are like me, I hate cooking. So this is going to make my life a lot easier. You can spend it on your other New Year's resolutions with meals ready in about 30 minutes or less plus quick and easy meals, including 20 minute recipes and low prep, easy cleanup options provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. Go to hellofresh.com slash light 16 light years 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Go to holofresh.com slash lightyears16. Again, that's lightyears16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
4: Mick
1: Walters, what is up, my
5: man? Oh, not much. Not much. Thanks for doing this after the game. And, hey, you know, all-star, all-star wigs, looking very much forward to that. And to all the Phoenix fans out there, man, don't don't complain about your non-starters. I mean, if you can't even get your guy book-voted in, you've got no right complaining about Bridges. (laughs) It's it's absolutely preposterous that they— They couldn't get him in there. So, you know, but what what can you do? The West is tough. And it's full of all-stars, like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. right. But, like, the real story here tonight was that Steph got a shot going again. Um, So two games in a row, looking good, feeling positive, you know, and it seems like the good vibes from Clay being back of rubbing off on some people, you know, even Wiggs getting some assists, like you pointed out earlier. And I think, yeah, it's rightfully so. The front office should take a victory lap. I mean, he literally was a pariah when we got him. Like, oh, okay, you got him for contract reasons. Like, hey, maybe you'll flip him for something. Hey, let's say we flipped him into a freaking all-star. How about that? <laughs> let's go and let's go and get excited about that. So yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Hey, take one up there at NBA. Well, we can convert your garbage into gold.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Big Walters, I love it. It's perfect call. Um, yeah, I, I feel very motivated. That people are upset that Wiggins made the the All-Star All Star right, team. Keep moving, Ryan. What's up, bro?
6: Hey, what's up? My favorite uh, Warriors All Star story was uh, when fans were getting mad. I think it was like 16 or 17 one of those years when Zaza was like top four in the front <laughs> court fan vote, and Twitter was absolutely losing his shit. So I just wanted to mention that Wiggins is. Second to Zaza, in my opinion, resident Persian Amu Zaza. Um, (laughs) But the the story of this game for me was, um, well, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Poole all cooked at the same time. We haven't seen that in the entire season. So seeing that last two games, 130, 124, Steve Kerr making offensive first substitutions, going with turbocharged lineups to be in the second quarter and the fourth quarter, trying to really step on people's throats. I really love this. I'm just excited. It seems like Warriors ball is back and the fight is over.
1: Appreciate Ryan. I agree with you, by the way, on the offensive first subs. This is, this was something I was curious about. Uh, digging. I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but like losing Draymond, he's such a functional part of the offense. Um, defense is what it is. They're going to compete. There's just there's no schematic thing you can do to like make up for kind of Draymond who's probably the best defensive player of the last 15 20 years. Uh, offensively though it was going to require tweaks and it, it seems like they're making the right tweaks. They're getting Jordan Poole in there a little more, little little more drive and kick,
2: a little less kind of like throw it through the post. Um, it's interesting. I'm a huge fan. I think two big things that have stood out. One it was covered in in excruciating detail in the national broadcast is Clay's new rotation feels a lot better from both a Clay Thompson perspective, but also a who's gonna keep us afloat perspective. You know, more clay is always better than less clay, especially if he's shooting it the way he is. The other thing I think is what I'm calling the the mid-range assault the Warriors are putting on people. We've seen Steph do it out of necessity. His shots from deep is not falling. So he's decided, okay, let me let me do some other stuff. And he said some very tough inside jumpers that for him are like layups. Um, but we've also seen Jordan Poole do it. We've seen uh, Andrew Wiggins, of course, do it. I think it just opens up the offense. And, of course, you know, Steve Kerr, you know, the people who've been exiled to the bench right now are Juan Toscano Anderson. And that's been an offense first move because the Warriors are playing Different lineups, different combinations. We had kind of four shooters on the floor at the same time. I'm just excited to see where this goes when you add Draymond Green back into the mix and his pace and thrust. That may not be for a long yeah. time, but even right now, I'm starting to salivate. We've seen two-thirds of the core three that nearly pulled it off against uh, Toronto in 2019 back and cooking at the same time. I want to see three out of three. That's just going to be a, a very happy moment.
1: We got a Steve Kerr post-game quote, by the way, I want to read to you. Um, says right now we're wildly entertaining i want to be entertaining we made seven to ten insane plays that are going to get us beat
2: ah classic he's not to be clear i i am not a basketball coach and steve crew has forgotten more about basketball than i will ever know and i i half agree with him i also think this is like to quote to quote the mandalorian from star wars this is the way the Warriors have been like this. They're an incredibly high IQ team, but they're also a high variance team. Part and parcel of it is the, the showmanship, the flair, the, I don't know, the, the showtime in them. They can't they can't seem to get rid of it, nor would I really ask them to. Um, like even last game's Jonathan Kuminga dunk highlight came on and no, 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 yes, Bielitsa outlet pass. It's just part of who they are, how they play, and it's, it's joy, but it's also going to give Steve Kerr a heart attack at some point. Oh, yes.
1: Let's keep moving. Grant, what's up, man?
2: All right. Um,
7: so I called last uh, episode about the Steph slump. Um, and I don't think, like, we're completely out of the woods yet on the Steph slump. I think, like, his body language and energy was still a little strange today. Like, like this almost, like, sarcastic dances when we finally got it going was just, like, okay. It's just kind of funny and just shows how psychotic he is. And I And I still think that, like, per your conversation about Kerr, I feel like the thing with Kerr is that, like, he like really wants to be popovich but he is from at least one part of his career the phil jackson bulls uh and i just feel like he needs to be more phil jackson when he's trying really hard to be pop like sam you tweeted oh the warriors went to the the trustee make shots play and it's like yeah i mean like steph sort of like at one point actually called himself iso that didn't seem to be the play and got like an easy bucket like jared vanderbilt can't actually check him like i know it's killing steph to like let jared vanderbilt prance around that he can stay in front of him and because if he (laughs) actually drove there'd be three defenders behind him and like just like i think that like part of the steph slump which you know is terrible for our country but makes great content in the words of Darren bell um, is like definitely part of like that flow thing, and Steve Kerr trying a little too hard, especially like with the substitution packages too. So I don't know. So like I just think that Steve Kerr is like kind of you know oversteering a little bit with a with certain things.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's it's like a tricky balance because he's coaching them for the finals, and he's coaching them for executing in the finals, and in doing that, he has to kind of get on guys about you know, stuff that they won't get punished for against quote unquote, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. So it's tricky. That's, that's part of the balance. But I mean, what are we in year seven with Steve? We know
2: the drill. Yeah. Steve is Steve is not going to change. He's a not, I wouldn't call him inflexible because he has shown some right. very positive tendencies, but he is less flexible. He's not a bill Belichick. I'm ripping up the game plan and switching from a three, four to a four, three defense for a right. weekly opponent. And it's also, it's the NBA, not the NFL. You can't really change that much. Part of it, I think though, Sam, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this is how much is Steve keeping in the bag for the postseason because he's coaching for the postseason and the finals. Maybe this is an oversimplification, but it's, you've seen, you know, how did the Warriors end the Rockets dreams in 2019? Steph Drake quick and roll over and over until the cows came home and created open shots for either Steph or rolls for Draymond or clay or whoever that's not something they do in the regular season they don't resort to quote unquote resort to that and if you haven't seen it before it's hard to scheme against um but also if you haven't run it before it's hard to run I don't know this is maybe me oversimplifying things but I want to say that Steve Kerr is trying to keep everyone involved run the the quote unquote motion offense keep the ball moving everyone touches it everyone shoots it so that in the postseason when called upon they can but otherwise, you know, your starters still, you have insane counter moves that no one's ever seen before and not ready to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely part of it, but I just don't know how much it is considering the injuries and everything you sure. have. Anyway, let's keep, let's keep moving forward. Daniela, what's up?
5: Oh, hi. Um,
7: what's going
6: sorry, on? I didn't realize
7: I was muted. I wanted to say congratulations to Draymond on this TV deal, but is anyone else a little terrified that an active <laughs> – Player on our team is signing TV
0: deals.
1: It's a great question. Um, I'm kind of just pretending it's not happening, to be honest with you. Uh, the, I don't know how you feel about it. Like Draymond's really blurring the line of uh, active player slash media mogul at the same time, right?
2: Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of. I, I think you said it best. I'm pretending it's not happening because when I saw, I, I, I'm not going to lie. When I saw Draymond in the suit with the turtleneck, I'm like, oh my God, when is he coming back? Is he coming back? First thoughts, obviously but clear overreaction to the, to the moment at hand. But I think, you know, I think it's incredible for TNT to grab him. He is excellent on inside the NBA. Um, and he has been excellent in the media in general for, for however long. And I think his value add is as someone who knows the game is willing to talk about it, but also has like very strong opinions and, and is firmly of the mindset, like you got to play it to understand, but is willing to at least dispense that knowledge to other people. Oh, uh, yeah, let's, let's,
1: let's back up on that one. Yeah. He is better at TV than, I mean, it's it's very hard to think of anyone who's as good as him because it's like the perfect cross section of uh, high IQ, so he can like ex- he sees the game, uh, and then verbal skill to explain it, and then wittiness. Like, yep, I mean, he's <laughs> he's he's a shit talker. We all know that. Like, he's he's got the ability to get in front of everything there. So, I, I mean, he's. <laughs> If he wants to do media, he will be fine for the remainder of his career. But it is kind of strange that he's on the shelf right now. We know this herniated disc is going to go for a long time, and he's just kind of, yeah, we do the media thing. I'm just chalking it up to kind of Draymond being Draymond, and I've seen no sign that, like, when he needs to get on the court, he can't do it. You know what I mean? Precisely. Um, I I. I Until I see something otherwise, I'm going to go with that. But, like, I'm more concerned about his health because I'm concerned about his health, not because he's, uh, you know, he has a a podcast and he's doing media stuff. Because I just think that's going to be kind of a
2: thing for athletes going forward. You know what I mean? Precisely. I think the most important thing about Draymond is he's so hungry to win another title. And he's the most competitive. He might be the most competitive player on the Warriors, and that's saying something. He might be the most competitive player in the NBA. So I don't think that fire is gone. I don't think that fire is going to be gone until another banner is hanging at Chase Center. So I'm not too worried, but like you said, health is most important.
1: Yeah. I also think he wants another contract and he's not getting that for punditry on TNT. So <laughs> um, it, it's just kind of, I, he's he's just different. Like Steph and Clay are just old school the way they do things. And like um, Draymond's more like, you know, it's kind of exploring what he can do and, I don't know. I just think this is going to be a thing that more athletes do. Like you can look online right now and Duncan Robinson has a podcast. Max Crosby has a podcast on Blue R Network. Um, there's just like there's more and more athletes who are doing this stuff while they're playing. And I just I just don't think you can stop it. I, I don't think it's going to um I don't think you can view it as a, um, as like a sign of anything more than just kind of like, this is 2022 and this is kind of what guys want to do.
2: Yep. As a sports fan, I love it. It's amazing. Well, I, of love it, I
1: love it when it's someone like Draymond, who's just phenomenally Like, he's just good at it, you know. Um, there's other, there's other people who, are, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't do it. But anyway.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Johan,
1: what's up, man? Hi, hello. Pretty
2: good. This is my, Sam, this is my brother.
6: I'm very <laughs> nervous.
2: Very, nice, nice.
6: <laughs> no, I have some basketball questions. So number one, uh, it seems like uh, Steve Kerr is playing Bielica far more than he needs
2: to and The quick trigger threes, uh, slightly deeper threes that he was famous for near the beginning of the season, that got him that 15.10 rebound double-double in the beginning of the season is just completely gone and he's just looking to put it on the floor and he's barbecue chicken on the other side. So why do you think he's getting so many minutes and does Steve have any other options at this point?
1: Vignesh, I'll let you take that one first.
2: Ah, Thanks. (laughs) Brother-on-brother violence. No, it's a good (laughs) question. I think, so to answer the first part of the question, which is uh, what happened to deep three shooting Bielitsa, it's he's on the floor now, sans Draymond Green, and he's on the floor now trying to be a Draymond Green light and create from from the post, Um, or at the top, uh, or around the arc on the perimeter. He's being kind of forced out of his typical comfort zone, but also teams are not going to give him a wide open three at any point. Um, They're... Daring him to put it on the floor, knowing that, you know, if you get him in traffic, if he's got to make a squeeze a tight pass through somewhere, maybe they can get away with it, get a strip, get a steal. On the other end of the floor, he is who he is. This is a veteran minimum signing on the wrong side of 30, right? You can't expect too much more out of him. He gives good effort, but sometimes he's just slow of foot and other players are going to get around him and get by him. There's really not much you can do there. Now, why so many minutes? It's precisely the fact that outside of Kevon Looney, the Warriors have zero centers.
1: Yeah, that's it's it like it, it brings up the the question that Andy and I have been kind of throwing around, um, in that's if the Warriors need to make a move for another front court player before the playoffs start, and then it, it brings the second question: who do you cut? Who do you get rid of? And it, it's just not as straightforward as everything. Like we, the reality is the Warriors wanted James Wiseman to be that at, not even yep. like the star, just like the guy you throw out there when you want a little more athleticism in the front court. And maybe that was just for 10 to 15 minutes a game, right? That type of thing. But his situation, I mean, Slater's reported and, you know, I have no reason to doubt him because he's highly reliable, but like it doesn't seem like he'll be back for the all-star rating. And that's, I, I just think we have to kind of, Move on and be like. Even when he comes back, I don't know that he's in a playoff rotation kind of guy either. Yeah, you know, because it's not like he was. It'd be one thing if he was twenty seven, and it's like, all right, he just needs ten games to get his legs under him. It's a completely different thing with the stages in his career. So it's like, short of Kuminga taking a step, and like, it's they're gonna have to make a decision. Do they want to cut someone in? in this rotation and they like all their players. I like all their players for what they are, just to be clear. Like, I don't want to get rid of Juan Scott Anderson. I like Bielitsa for what he is, but it's like, do they want to add a different type of player to help solve potential questions
2: they might have in the playoffs? And I'm not a roster construction expert and I know there's rules around this, but the, the most common logic I've heard is the, the player that, that fans tend to hate on the most is Chris Chiosa, But you cut him. You got to replace him with a two-way player, and there's just very few options that satisfy the Warriors' criteria.
1: Also, two, so, two-way players don't play in the playoffs. So, yeah. Uh, while it would be nice to have an extra body in the regular season, and maybe they should get a two-way guy just to like limit how much Loon plays. It's not solving your
2: your playoff. Class. Exactly. So it would strictly be a minutes eater right. for the regular season, and I think it's a good idea. I just. It's a tough. It's a tough question with no easy answer.
1: Yeah. Keep moving? What's up, man? What's up, guys? Not much. Just enjoying a Thursday night. How you doing?
5: Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Um, how, how, how you? How do you guys feel about the the three guard lineup?
1: Which which three guard lineup do you mean? Do you mean Jordan Staff, Jordan Poole, and uh, Gary Payton, or do you mean with Clay, or which one?
5: Yeah, yeah, with Clay, with Gary, inter- interchangeable.
1: Okay. VZ, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if Vignesh agrees with me on this one. I don't think it's an issue for them because of how good of defense. um, One, GB2 might be the best point of attack defensive player in the league. But two, Clay can guard threes. I don't think they – I'm trying to think of a team that that would cause issues for. And the only team that it would be a problem against would be the fully healthy Clippers if they had Kawhi and Paul George at the two and the three, and then you have a size issue, uh, but that team doesn't exist. Like even like you look at the Lakers, they're playing LeBron at the power forward. It's a different, it's a different problem. Like I, I don't know the team that has two big wings that can take away from this league's gone smaller. Like GP two can guard Devin Booker. Um, if Devin Booker goes off, it's not because of size. It's just because he's having one of those nights. Um, I don't think they have an issue with the three guard lineup because of uh, the defense, the guards can play. And because quite frankly, Clay's the same size as most small forwards in the
2: league. Yeah. What was the joke that Draymond made? Um, said come, Clay, you left-, back yeah, <laughs> exactly. back you, you left as a shooting guard and you came back, a not even a small forward, maybe a power forward, even given the, the rate the league is, is downsizing. I'm strongly with you, Sam. I have, I don't, can't think of a team, just like you said, that would put enough pressure on that team defensively because of the way it's constructed. It would be because they're they're having one of those nights where, well, shit, you could have thrown uh, I don't know, Scotty Pippen at someone, it wouldn't have mattered. And on the other end of the floor, they've got to defend two, maybe three premium shooters. Like I'm salivating, and I know this lineup's not gonna get a ton of play, but imagine a true five-out lineup of Steph, Clay, Jordan wiggins Otto porter jr as like a weird small ball center
1: yeah i mean it, it's gonna be hard to guard and and that kind of gets to the the larger point which is like if this team has a weakness it's gonna be against a front court that's hyper athletic yep. it's not gonna be because a team has a 6-9 shooting guard like I, it, it just doesn't exist there's not a team that has like four six nine guys that they're gonna go against you it's gonna be against like the uh, I don't know if the Lakers will actually be able to get it together, but like LeBron and Anthony Davis poses problems for you, right? Like yep. Giannis poses problems for you. Um, those type of like guys who are hyper athletic in the front court will pose problems to you. But that that GP two and the three guard lineup doesn't change any of that. Agreed. Uh right, let's keep moving. We get a couple more in, and then we'll call it a night. David, what's up, man?
6: What's up, fellas? Um, okay, first thing I wanted to call out, I saw the box score. Looney had seven points tonight, and I'm thinking, when the hell did Looney score seven points in the game? <laughs> <laughs> I remember a free throw. I don't remember anything else. Um, anyways, regardless of that, um, they're looking better. It's exciting to see uh, Steph playing better. Um, I agree with all the front court stuff, and something that I just wanted to point out, I've been thinking about the coaching staff a lot recently. I know Kurt's been getting some flack and he's obviously fallible, but just like to calm the fan base down, I feel like, you know, we have one of the best, if not the best coaching staff in the NBA, top to bottom. And I've noticed a philosophy that I think might be counter cultural from the Warriors coaching staff. And I want to see if you guys agree with me, but, It seems like Kerr really likes to stick with players as opposed to just like change up things. It's like, no, they've thought through like the best combinations and possibilities for their lineups, for times of games, for rotations, et cetera, for matchups. And regardless of how a player plays on any given night outside of the seems like Kaminga, he's going to keep them in even if they're playing bad because he believes in the person and, and their thought process is sound. So I think maybe some of the frustration with the coaching staff and the rotations and the substitution patterns resides in the fact that Kerr just like wants to give people a chance because they've already thought through the possible outcomes and they're sticking to their guns. But I figure I'd just let you guys, I don't know, give me thoughts on that.
1: David, appreciate the call. I mean, you're 100% dead on. Like, that's, for better or worse, that's, that's how Steve coaches. That's also how he gets more out of players. Um, the downside to it is, you know, Festus is in game seven of the 2016 finals, but um, the plus side to it is, you know, more often than not, it's paid off if we want to put that one away. So um, it is, it's part of their philosophy. It can be annoying when you watch a player who's going through a poor spell, continue to get chances, but watch another team where guys get buried and get like dog housed and there's no trust. And you'll come away from it with this general, okay, all things considered, this is
2: the better approach. I wanted to to give a shout out. The first half of the point that was just made was, uh, was something that Sam and Andy have been insisting on this podcast for a long time, which is, you know, Warriors developmental staff needs an overhaul and they now possess what is pro- arguably, maybe inarguably, the strongest top to bottom coaching staff in the entire league. Like there's multiple assistants that either were or are going to become again head coaches in the NBA, and right. you know Sam and Andy have been calling this on Light Years Pod for for a year now. It's like, hey, Warriors need to get more out of their players. Um, and to the to the latter point, 100%, you get you know Festus Ezeli Game Sevens, I i raise you and Anderson Varejao. You know this stuff <laughs> happens. It, it's it's part and parcel of Steve Kerr because he was one of those guys, right? And you know he's won an NBA Finals by virtue of his shot making because he was put in a position to succeed. So I. It may be infuriating at times. I don't know if I would specifically change it. I know that the long leash gives the Warriors players, Kuminga accepted, of course. I'm not sure why his leash is as short as it is. It gives them a chance to kind of play out of trouble. And as, you know, everyone, it's January 27th right now. This is a good time, if there's ever a good time to be slumping. It's better now than kind of heading into the postseason. Work those kinks out, you know, face the adversity, solve the problems, get your head right, get your head in the game, and then get rolling right before the postseason starts
1: perfect i think we leave it there i appreciate everyone we called in tonight if we didn't get to you tonight we'll get to you next time subscribe rate five stars thank you big nesh for joining us tonight thank you so much sam